so now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to light the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week, as usual, and say, OK, it's a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock are pre Barbagello event, uh, and we're looking at uh, various things that have happened in the past and looking forward to some things in the future. The big news, of course, Craig, is uh, Mustang parity. Well, there we go. Not just one, not two, but three adjustments. Well, Quite something. We talked a lot about it last week on the show, and I think what was interesting to me was that in 2013, Darren Cox, the then head of World Motorsport for Nissan, uh, for Nissan, made some comments at Bathurst which were quite controversial. We're going to play you the comments he made at Bathurst right now. And you look at the speed traces, over 200 kilometres an hour, that's when we start falling off. And it's down to the fact that the car is very draggy at that point. Yeah, running coast down test is very 1980s. And, you know, whether it be CFD or full wind tunnel work, that's the way we need to go forward uh, in the future. They are looking at it, and uh, they've got a new guy whose name escapes me now, uh, Steve Horn. Thank you, uh, who's who's joining uh, with a lot of experience in IndyCar um, and single seaters in in Europe and the US, and uh, he's already committed that he's going to change the process. What I find interesting, Tony, is that uh, he got hauled hauled over the coals, um, and you know, was supercars were most displeased with these comments that he made and yet here we are in 2019 now saying well there must be something wrong with the roll down test because we're now making three serious changes to one of the the cars even though the parity has never been closer from the roll down test yes it is very unusual um it's certainly uh, big as uh looking for some more information and uh, maybe some more opinions on this whole era. The, the three adjustments now was mooted by some that uh, there may only be one of the three. That is the front under tray, the rear side plates, wing side plates, and the rear gurney flap size. Now, in fact, they've done all three. I can only think that... Um, Penske and or Tickford have actually argued the case that uh, you're going to send the car seriously out of whack if we only do one or two of those. So they've actually adjusted all three to maintain the car's balance. Would you think that seems a logical explanation? That is uh, the only explanation because otherwise it would be a very draconian penalty, wouldn't it? It would indeed, and and certainly uh, seeing that... uh, there were no adjustments made to the ZB back in uh, 2018. Um, okay, that uh, the Ford and Nissans were allowed to go and make carbon fiber panels, as had uh, the Triple uh, Eight made for most of the ZB. So it just seems there is a rule for one and one for the other. But anyway, um, onward and upward. Certainly, uh, Penske and the head of Ford Performance have put down their uh, line in the sand, so to speak, saying that. Uh, if this is what it is, then this is what it is, and we'll race it. But I get the get the feeling that uh, you try and mess with this again, and you've got us to answer for. Mm. Now, it would be very silly of supercars to jeopardise the relationship Ford has got with their two teams, that being DJR Team Penske and Tickford, by, you know, after the teams have de- seemed to have done 
too good a job in building the cars. I mean, they, they always push to make the best. They've done that, and now they've been handicapped. Well, handicapped, brought back to the field. It's certainly going to be interesting to see, not only Perth, because obviously it's a whole new thing over there. Triple Eight seem to be still struggling with getting to grips with a single spring, and uh, that's maybe be an ongoing battle for them. It could be, and as we turn our attention to Perth this week, and we should mention that we've got Garth Kander on the show this week, and ahead of the second round of the Super 2s, Tony, we've got Mason Barbera, who we had a chance to have a chat with uh, on, what was it, Friday night at uh, Clipsal? Lovely lad from uh, North Queensland, and uh, quite something. He made an impact, and... Uh, he's certainly following up what Chris Pither did last year for GRM and putting them uh, GRM cars in a, in a great place. 42 years that the championship's been going to Perth, Tony. It's quite a well-established track and over the years and a number of changes and many people say the changes haven't always been for the better, uh, particularly when they put that massive bridge across blocking part of the view from the outside of the circuit. I tend to think, I mean, I was there in the old days when the pits used to be over the hill, so I've seen many incantations of uh, what Barbagallo is. The one that's going to be interesting watching this weekend, of course, will be the one under lights, night racing on the on the uh, uh, road course of Barbagallo. I think that plus the new surface is going to make it a really interesting race meeting. Um and, and well worthwhile staying up for. It doesn't go too late, though. I think 8.30 till 10.30 at night on the Friday and the Saturday. Um, but uh, Garth Tanner's on the show, as you say. He's Shane Van Gisbergen's new partner, and uh, he'll be getting into the car. I imagine Winton will be the next time, but he's talking to us about uh, his time down at Phillip Island when he made his Toyota debut at an 86, racing against Mrs. Tander. <laughs> a fascinating interview talking about life in 2019. So... After the break, Garth. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates that tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Penske. And you're on Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're here with Garth Tanner, who long made his name as a driver of those V8 things. <laughs> but this weekend, has his different chariot in his heart, and is actually racing against his wife in a 40-car field of Toyota 86s. How are you enjoying it? Yeah, I'm loving it. It's, um, it's, I've never done any production car-based stuff ever. So it was only ever open-wheelers, straight into supercars, and then obviously a bit of GT stuff now. In the last couple of years, but no, no production car stuff. So, it's very different driving technique. Uh, obviously, Leanne's raced these things a little bit before, and I was always trying to give her advice on how to drive, even though I'd never driven one before. So, um, the shoes on the other foot, she's been helping me. So, um, yeah, it's good. Okay, so how is it out there in a field of forty? You, you were fortunate enough. To, I think you had a wet qualifying, wasn't yeah, it? We did. We had a, a, a wet session that was drying out, uh, and there was an early red flag, so we were all in pit lane. And then when we left pit lane. Tim Brook, who's the reigning champion from last year, he was right behind me. So I thought, oh, maybe if I just 
slip in behind Tim and follow him around. That'll be pretty good. And um, followed him around. We um, he got pole. I was second by one one thousandth or something like that. So that worked. And then um, had a race start off the front row. Never done a start before. That wasn't too bad. And then just settled into the race and was second behind Tim for the majority of the race. But um, young Lachlan Gibbons, who was super strong at the end, he got me with a couple of laps to go. So enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't in the middle of all the helter-skelter stuff. Apparently there was plenty going on deeper in the field, but um, I enjoyed my race. You look like you've got a great deal of fun enjoying it, so that's uh, terrific. Um, when you say you've never driven things like this, production cars, yeah. um, and it's a rear-wheel drive, it's a four-cylinder, non-turbocharged. Yep, yep. Um, so you've got to keep momentum up with it. That's the biggest thing with it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a bit... I mean, they are underpowered um, as far as anything else I've ever driven. Um, and so it is about momentum and flow, and there's a very particular driving style that these cars require. So trying to figure all that out in two half-hour practice sessions on Friday was, um, was difficult. So I guess we were a bit lucky with that half-wet, half-dry qualifying session. I could use a bit more of Phillip Island experience rather than Toyota 86 experience to get me up the front. And then in the race, which was full dry, I could really work on my driving technique. So... Um, you know, I was matching Tim lap time-wise, who, like I said, the reigning champion. So I'm comfortable with that. I was happy to be third. Uh, I know what I've got to work on. I've only got to fix Siberia. Then I reckon I'm. I reckon we're right. So um, I'll go do some nerdy driver stuff tonight and look at data and vision and see what I can do tomorrow. Now oh, they were telling me that they've just mapped yours and Leanne's car, <laughs> and because Leanne was getting a tow, she was getting like 13 k's yep. more than uh, more than you were. And I guess. This highlights a debate that's going on elsewhere about parity. If you uh, look at drafting parity, oh, I don't care about that other stuff. But um, yeah, she was in the toe and she was faster in the first sector than me. And um, I guess you probably likened it. I when we went out for practice one yesterday in the eighty sixes, I likened it to like Moto three qualifying, where there's just this crazy pack of cars everywhere, and you just got to find yourself in the right spot, and then you'll get sucked along in the big toe. And, and I guess that's what eighty six racing is all about think it could be the start of uh, an occasional one more often? No, I don't think um, Leanne would be all that keen to have me back. She, she, I mean, she has obviously done plenty of these races before. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to be racing against each other in the same category, in very much the same cars. We've done it a couple of times in the past when she did the Enduros in supercars, but it wasn't really a fair fight, was it? I mean, I was in the factory HRT car and she was, you know, doing just the Enduros and that wasn't a fair fight, so this is, you know, we're much closer and we spent all the practice yesterday basically running around with each other, having a great time. So uh, that's the reason I wanted to do it this weekend when the opportunity came up. It's Phillip Island, it's a local race for us, so um, yeah, it's been great. How's the transition in life been from uh, having to every couple of weeks be out there in supercars? Ah, oh, it's been good. I mean, I've been busier this year than I've ever been, just with the different opportunities that pop up through the year i mean obviously i'm busy now with um with rpm and channel 10 and um that keeps me busy and um you know i've done a little bit of stuff with triple eight already this year and uh just other bits and pieces have been popping up so it's been the craziest busy start to the year since my circumstances changed um i'm not missing the supercar stuff to be honest with you there's obviously a lot of politics going on up in that paddock at the moment and all i said to roland was just make sure we're all ready to go by the time october rolls around um but um yeah look i'm not missing it um i obviously keep an eye on it but um uh plenty keeping me busy at the moment had you been had you been thinking about the next life for garth tander before it just got cut off or was it just such a a shocking change that you've had to recalibrate uh no i mean this this year was always 
in my mind, programmed to be my last full-time year in supercars. So obviously moving that forward 12 months at the time was a shock. The way that it happened was very disappointing, which we won't go into. But um, I was already conditioned to the fact that, you know, my end of my career was very, very close. I'm, I'm comfortable as far as, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not missing it. Um, it's not like I make sure I'm home in time to watch it on TV or any of that stuff because, you know, for me, life after supercars was coming anyway. Uh, it's just here 12 months ahead of time, which has actually turned out to be good because I'm building a house at the moment and that's taking up a lot of time. So, uh, And like I said, there's lots of other stuff bubbling along as well, which keeps me busy. So um, I haven't had time to be bored and think about it. Now, uh, I spoke to Roland. Uh, it would have been in Albert Park uh, about a uh, wildcard possible entry, which it turned out there wasn't available cars and things like that. Um, there, are, There is going to be some tribute maybe sort of sound like you're dead and I know you're not yeah, you're far no. from it okay but more a uh, a uh, honoring the the things you've done and I was certainly very glad to hear that that's happening at Barbagello well no one's told me yet because I'm not going to Barbagello so um um I haven't heard any of that stuff so look it was um we're obviously we're keen to do the wildcard thing at Perth um, but if we were going to do it, we're only ever going to do it with Triple Eight. But given it's a Super Two weekend, the crew's unavailable. There's cars to do it, but the crew, you know, you need you need the right crew to do it. So um, I'd only ever do it. There was other sort of you know word of other teams and doing something, but I'd only do it with Triple Eight and a Triple Eight car because that makes it relevant for what we're doing in the Enduro. So um, yeah, we couldn't get that done, which was disappointing because new surface over there, um, first night race in Perth. So it would have been cool to be part of that. But um, yeah, look. Um, yeah, I'm not big on the whole, um, you know, farewell tour. And, you know, I've had a lot of great feedback from fans and that saying that it was disappointing I didn't get that opportunity. But I wasn't really up for that anyway. So um, I'm, I'm, uh, I, don't, I didn't need that. So, um, yeah, look, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on, if anything is going on at Perth, but no one's told me. So if they need to tell me, they better tell me soon so I can organise my diary. How are the kids finding having Daddy home more often? Well, I'm away every Sunday because I'm on, t- on RPM. So um, it's just different. I mean, I am home more um, on weekends, but I, I'm, I'm still doing a lot of travelling with other stuff. So um, they have sort of said it's a bit strange uh, every now and then that Dad's home so much. Uh, my young fella's actually ecstatic because Shane Van Gisbergen's his favourite driver, even when I was racing full-time. So he thinks it's cool that I'm driving Shane's car. Um, so, um, yeah, look, they're... They don't really understand it yet, but um, but no, they, they, I mean, to be honest, I'm enjoying being home more. I go to a lot more basketball practice and stuff like that, which is cool. All right, well, thanks very much for Garth Sander, and it's great to see you being so enthusiastic and enjoying some racing again. Yeah. So we look forward to seeing you, in fact, at the three Enduros later in the year. I'll make a point of actually being there myself. Yeah, yeah thank you. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A couple of treats for you in, in the next block coming up. But uh, first of all, we should make mention of the the grid grows again for the supercars to 25 because Tim Blanchard has decided to step back into uh, the series. Uh, of course, he only retired at uh, Newcastle last year, but uh, and he is driving with uh, the young man, Macaulay Jones, uh, in the Enduros in the Pertec Cup. But he's stepping back in and he's driving a Patronus Mercedes lookalike car. It was the same ZB used by Jack Smith down in Tasmania. So again, uh, the uh, Brad Jones Racing Team will be back up to four cars. The other interview we're having this week will be Mason Barbera, who returns, of course. The Super 2s are back on the, on the, uh, the grid in Perth. 
as they have been for the last few years. And Mason is a delightful young man. Craig and I had a very nice warm chat with him on the Friday night of Adelaide. Yes, and I also had a chance, and we'll hear this after the break as well, Tony, to catch up with his car owner in in Gary Rogers as well. So I think you'll find both of these chats quite illuminating on one of the drivers who's now been around a little while for the Super 2 category. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones I'm from the Cool Drive Race team and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. We're here in the GRM truck in the paddock on a Friday night after the first race uh, and the man sitting opposite is Mason Marbera who's in his third year at GRM in a VF Commodore and he took pole today and finished on third place today. Congratulations Mason. Yeah thank you very much. It was a great day for us at GRM and, and for me in my career. It was, it was you know, felt like I got the monkey off my back a little bit. Uh, sometimes you, you know, you feel like that day's never going to come, and, and when it comes, it's pretty special. So it was great. Okay, you've had a fairly fast learning curve. Although this is your third year in the category with GRM, um, you 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 know, just left here a few minutes ago. It was Chris Pither, who was your teammate last year, and he broke a drought for GRM in winning a championship, um, which is pretty magic for all the boys who work down there, and boys and girls who work at GRM. So you're feeling pretty confident about this year for yourself? Yeah, 100%. You know, I've got a really good, strong team behind me, obviously, after winning the championship last year. Uh, everyone's spirits are high. I've got Chris, you know, he's here driver training me and Dylan O'Keefe, my current teammate. Uh, so, you know, we are confident. I'm not going to get a big head or anything like that. I'm very happy with this weekend. I'm going to keep my head down, and, and if I can stay at the front, I'll do everything I can to keep it there, and, and uh, I'm hoping that's the way it goes. Now, you've got Bundaberg dirt under your feet so that'll keep you well grounded tell us about the background of how you got to where you are now uh so my father and, and my family uh they got in a go-karting when i was about seven years old and and, and put me in a cart do you live in, in, in town in Bundaberg or in, out in the country so i'm a bit of a country boy obviously everything's pretty close in Bundaberg, but we, we are farmers from Bundaberg, and you know so i was driving cars since you know probably before i could talk so uh, you know, zipping around on the dirt roads and whatnot, um, although we shouldn't be doing that. But, uh, yeah, so I've always been in love with, you know, anything that has a motor in it. Um, my sister loved horses, but, uh, yeah, they didn't have a motor or go fast <laughs> enough for me. So uh, I always enjoyed that. And, and then, obviously, we went into into karting. Unfortunately, I stopped from about 10 to 13 years old. And and and, uh, and then CRG, race karts, they picked me up when I was about 14, and they carried me until I was 16. Uh, and then Rod Dawson picked me up from you know to bring me into v8 utes and and then i ended up with gary rogers and gary and rod dawson obviously have very good respect for each other uh they've had a lot to do with each other and uh yeah that's how i got the drive at grm a lot of people bring karting rivalries into these next steps they take how about yourself did you carry some grudges into your motor racing career from karts uh, I think you know I'm probably a little bit different. I'm kind of I've, I've never really held a grudge. Uh, if I don't like someone, I don't like them. Um, but 
you know, when, I, when I'm out there, I'm there to do a job. And, and uh, if, if someone's in my way, I don't care who it is. And, and if I'll just find the quickest way to get around them uh, if I can. So, you know, coming from karting, no, I didn't really hold grudges from, any, from anyone. There's people I like and there's people I don't like, just like anyone. Um, but no, I just stay in my own lane and do what I need to do. So what is Mason Barbera doing when he's not at a racetrack? Mason Barbera is farming. So, you know, I, I'm uh, naturally a, not naturally, but I am a bigger boy. And uh, the past year I've been training really hard to, to cut down in size. And, and especially when you start looking at enduro drives and stuff, because, you know, everyone over in that main game is a, is a, is a stick. And, and I'm certainly not a stick. I'm more of a log. So <laughs> trying to become a stick and, and, and I'm doing everything I can as well as uh, juggling the farming side of things. Uh, because I do run a small operation uh, in Bunnaburg growing watermelons, and and you know that's a, that's another small passion for me. Is is that your farming that you do with your family? Uh, so no, my my, my father he, he runs uh, obviously a, probably a larger size farm. So you know they they you know tomatoes, capsicums, and whatnot. For me, I just run a little side thing, and, and I do my watermelons and, and green beans, and and I, I manage that with the racing. And thankfully, Gary's uh, is has been really, really good to me. You know, the, he's always had the tradition of having his drivers work for him. But you know, he, he came up and saw what I do, and 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 he understood that. Yet my feet are grounded, and and I'm learning. You know, the lessons of life um, by by working and, and working my way through life, not just being handed everything. So yeah, uh, he came up to Bundaberg yeah. and visited the family. Yeah, that's Gary. Uh, I'll tell you a little stat about Gary, um, and it involves, um, and it's a story worth remembering, not because it's important that I told it to you, but um, when Jamie Wincup won here, um, which was 024 or whatever year it was, and Ludo Lacroix, who's obviously now at Shell DJ Opensky, um, Ludo, uh, I was talking to you on the Monday afterwards, and it was the week afterwards, the AGP, and uh, I said to Ludo, wow, you were very fortunate to uh, have Jamie so cherry ripe to win a race, having been fired from GRM only, you know, sometime shortly before that. And, uh, oh, yes, but he would have been better off not to drive a GRM shitbox. I said, sorry, um, Ludo, because, hang on, he, he learnt the game from Gary and driving those cars. Yes, but you're better off not driving, not learning driving a shitbox car. And it rather annoyed me, this Frenchman. I mean, Frenchmen sort of annoy me at the best of times, but this attitude he had, because I know of what Gary had done over the years. So this is in um, 02, no, it would have been 04, wouldn't it? Sort of thing like that. And uh, so I went away and worked out some stats. And so of the 36 drivers who were full-time in the game then, 25% of the drivers who'd won a race, okay, had their first drive in a Gary car. So that's, you know, Jason Bright, Steve Richards, Jason Bargwana, Gary Arthur, and it just goes on, Jamie, it goes on and on and on. It's the equivalent of 25% of a grid of Formula Ones had their first drive in a McLaren or a Williams or whatever. It's an astounding stat that so many young drivers have their first go in a Gary car. It gives them a chance, and obviously, as you've already seen, that he gives them a fair go, not just, you know, one year, two years, but you're know, having a third year. You're developing, obviously, and you're feeling confident about that. Yeah, I feel confident. And like you said, you know, um, Gary's, if you respect him and you're respectful and you appreciate what, what he does and, and, and you really see the man he is, he, he will look after you and he'll take you under his wing. And, 
And I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, there's a, there's a lot of you know kids or people my age that um, unfortunately don't have that respect side. And 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 Gary is well, he's just short with that. You know, if, if you don't have respect, well, you're not worth his time. And and I think that's what makes him the man he is. Is that if you show him respect, he'll look after you. And and obviously some drivers that have driven for him didn't show him respect. So for me, you know, I, I do what I need to do, and, and I keep my feet on the ground the best I possibly can. And if they try and lift, he puts them back down. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I love him for that, and, and he looks after me. And you know, I'll I'll be loyal to Gary for as long as I possibly can because you know he's been loyal to me and given me my shot. And it's one thing you should never forget as a person. GRM have always had good cars and street circuits. They ride the bumps well. They obviously turn well. Um, and you're enjoying that aspect. But what was your best qualifying before today? Um, by memory, uh, in supercars, it would have been fifth at Perth. Um, in V8 Utes, we, we, we had a fair few pole positions. Rod Dawson runs a really, really great team uh, in any category he does. He's, he's just a guru. Um, so I was very fortunate in that. I had a good package. But in supercars, this is definitely by far my, my best qualifying. Okay. And your best race result in, in uh, supercars? Yes, yeah, so I'm at Perth. I, I finished fourth. Um, so yeah, I've won up it here and, and finished third. So, but demonstrably so, because taking a pole on a street circuit when you haven't been showing that before, I mean, confidence is a large part of the game. And obviously, coming into this year, you'd grown that confidence. Yeah, I think it's everything. It's it's, it's confidence and it's it's a team package. You know, we've really focused in on my car, and and obviously, Chris winning the championship last year. You know, he was quick at the start of the year, and and everyone felt okay. You know, we're in for a chance here. So there was a lot of concentration on Chris's car, which is totally understandable. And and I was happy for that. You know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to be here, so I didn't push the fact. Um, and I, I knew my time would come, and I think this year my time has come. I'm not saying that you know I'm going to yeah. go winning the championship or anything like that, but this this year I've got a lot of concentration on my car, and even better, I've got someone like Chris, which is just a top bloke and, and is down to the ground and he's there supporting me as well so you know, I've got everything around me to, to get me there um, it, there's, it's a big package as you guys well know I'm interested in how did you choose watermelons and beans when the family's doing capsicums and everything else to be honest with you, the reason why I started with watermelons is because you know, we're an Italian background so my nunnel, uh grandfather you know, was Italian but when he came over from Italy, that was the first crop he grew, was watermelon. So it's, I was very close with my normal. Unfortunately, he passed away, but it, I don't know. It was something that was just close to the heart, and, and I just wanted to start that way as well. I always get fascinated by stuff like that. And uh, what's your motor racing goal, and what's your business goal? I think... I think probably the goal in both is, is very similar. You know, I, I strive for the best. I really do. I put a lot of pressure on myself, um, as probably most people do, uh, to do the best. And, and business, race cars, same thing. You know, I keep my head down. I work hard and do everything I possibly can. Um, keep keep a level head and, and yeah, just work hard. I, I want to get to the top in both games. Uh, I definitely want to get to the top in race cars, and, and that's where my full concentration is at the moment. Well, I think it's been wonderful talking to you, Mason, and certainly hearing the background story. We certainly wish you well from Inside Supercars, and we look forward to watching you develop through the year, and we'll certainly be there in Newcastle, and look, have a great year. I mean, one of the things you obviously know already is you've got to enjoy it, and if you're enjoying it and doing something you love, then it comes easier to you, you know, just...
keep at it. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It's it's a hundred percent. You know, sometimes we got to pinch ourselves and realize what we are doing. You know, whether you're first or you're second, you know, it's still pretty special to be here. And uh, we're all trying to go for the win, and that's what I'll be doing. But I'm going to enjoy it along the way. Thank you to Mason Barbera, Car 99, the GRM car, and look look forward to watching you through these next two races. Gary Rogers, uh, third year in your team in the uh, Dunlop Super Twos is Mason Barbera. You obviously saw something in him. And uh, I understand that when he was running in his utes, uh, Rod Dawson put you onto him. That's correct, he did. I've known Rod many, many years, and he suggested we have a chat to him. I'd kept a bit of an eye on him because he obviously went very well in the ute series, uh, and that's how it all started, yeah. Now, Mason was mentioned to us that you actually went up to Bundaberg and had a look at his farm because you normally have the young guys working for you, but you actually went up there and just found out more about him. Well, I've got a great belief you need to have a job or your mind will be idle. And uh, no one works harder than that family, I can tell you, and particularly that young bloke. What have you seen in his development over the three years with your team? Oh, well, you've only got to have a look at the way the results have come. I mean, he, started, I mean, he struggled early because he thought it would be easy, because he was an absolute champion in the youths. We all know that. The fact is, this is a totally different gig. I think it took him a while to accept that. And also, he made a, uh, he's a big boy, as you know, and he made a big commitment got rid of a stack of weight, put his head down, his ass up, and, you know, you can see the results now. Very bloody pleasing. Obviously, he's uh, still got a bit more to, to drop, as he said, so that he can be then considered as a, a potential co-driver, but you see that sort of future, a main game future for him, if he can uh, reach some of these other goals? Oh, well, I'd say you'd have to say you would think so, wouldn't you, but on his current performance, and I don't think he needs to lose a lot more weight. I mean, he's naturally a big bloke. And really, it doesn't hurt to have a bit of pudding every now and again. And obviously the team uh, don't mind it when he drives the truck down and uh, delivers a whole bunch of produce. Oh, yeah, well, that's quite another story with watermelons and other things. But, yeah, it's all, look, as I say, they're a very, very good family. He's a very hard-working young bloke, and he can really drive very, very well, as we've seen certainly uh, in the last, uh, well, certainly the last 12 months. But early on, hey, all of a sudden he realised it wasn't as easy as he thought it was going to be. And once he realised that, then the rest just took care of itself with a bit of attitude. After the break, our final thoughts. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to Inside Supercars, this is Ryan Storey from DJR Team Penske, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. I'm just looking forward to watching the cars under lights, I think uh, our cars look particularly good, we have lots of dramatic liveries, the cars look great, I think um, second time round under lights that the teams will have a very good idea on what they should and shouldn't do. I get a, a he- hearing that um, Kelly's have done something special in the way of lighting their cars. Well, they used a translucent, or a, a very reflective, I should say, uh, decal package, and that did really make the cars pop under the lights of the circuit. And, and interestingly, they're using, by you know, by comparison of what they used the year before, they're using a lot more lights to light the circuit. So it's not going to be lit as well as, uh, say, one of the Formula One tracks, 
but it is going to be a bit better lit for the fans who are there and also for the television coverage. Now, if I was to say to you, Tony, how many tracks have hosted night races in supercars? What number would you give me? Oh, I'd say probably about four. And Perth will make four. Call the park? Sydney Motorsport Park. Oh, Perth is four. Call Abu Dhabi. Yes, indeed. Did you get to Abu Dhabi? No, I never got that trip done. Okay, all right, because I, what I can tell you is they didn't race under lights. It was daytime racing, it just happened to be with lights on. Yes, yeah, of Because uh, the track was so well lit, you had no idea that it was nighttime. But anyway. I think the last year of that contract, that, it was uh, under lights. It was under the uh, sunlight of uh, morning breaking, and no one really saw it. <laughs> One last thing, Craig, that we should actually uh, put in the show this week is about esports, which Supercars have just launched a second season of. Now, they've had some good success with it, and I understand you've got a bit of uh, knowledge about it. Well, yeah, it's certainly something that is taking the world by storm esports, and you can have venues now, particularly over in Europe, where eighty to 100,000 people are watching the competitors, uh, maybe not so much in racing, but in other forms of... Um, of games, watching the competitors playing video games. In fact, uh, it's very common for most of the successful football clubs around uh, the world to have a e-sport team and they will have one player who is actually the player of the video game that will be in competitions all around, the, all around uh, Europe and big crowds turning up for that. And the football clubs treat this e-sports athlete um, with the same reverence as what they treat their on-field players. Probably don't pay them as much, but still give them the same uh, same accordance. So supercars are, are now very heavily moving into the eSports area, and we've got a, a package of clips from Sean Seymour that talks about Season 2 of eSports. Supercars launched their eSports series Season 2 a few weeks ago. Here's Sean Seymour talking about what they're hoping to get out of the virtual racing world. Experience, and there's very few sports in Australia that can offer that, and we're fortunate we've got to take advantage of it. For us, it gives us the opportunity to integrate more of our tracks. Uh, the other racing platforms don't necessarily have as much uh, content as what iRacing has, and it's obviously a platform that our drivers and teams are largely familiar with as well, so it gives us a really good opportunity to integrate them. Interestingly, in 2013, when Nissan entered supercars, Darren Cox, who was the head of Nissan Motorsport, talked about how Nissan were using the virtual world to get people not only involved in motor racing, but involved in the Nissan products. We've got to get to them online, we've got to get to them on, you know, their, their, um, their uh, whether it be a PC, whether it be uh, their iPad, whatever it might be, that's where we need to get to them. And we need to give them content they want. They might not necessarily sit through the whole of Bathurst, but they might watch, you know, uh, three minutes, you know, every week. Um, of, of, a, of a highlights package and that's what we need to do we need to work out how we get this new generation through otherwise you know it's all very well having the, the crowds we've got today but the crowds tomorrow won't be there and and that's something we all need to work towards as an industry whether it be the media whether it be the promoters whether it be the manufacturers that's something that we need to we need to go forward and we recognize it and that's why we introduced the the academy um, because through a different route through gaming we get people interested in motorsport and what's interesting i don't know what it's like in australia nismo Skyline, GTR are known because, again, guys of my age drove them online. They drove, well, not online back then, you know, in a cartridge, wasn't it? You know, they drove those cars um, on, on, you know, in the virtual world, and now they're at my age, prices of these cars are going up massively because guys have suddenly got money not just to have the virtual one, they want the real one as well. 
So Nismo, Nissan, GTR, I've got that heritage and um, you know, of, of the gaming side, and we need to maximise that with the new guys and get to them and get them exciting with our products. When in Europe, we launched, the first time you could have driven a Duke Nismo was on um, a, 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 an app. So we launched with uh, Asphalt 7, um, a, a famous uh, or, or big game in, in, uh, in Europe. Uh, we had a download where you could drive the, the Duke Nismo. So before journalists drove it, before it was unveiled to the press, before anything else, people were driving it on their iPad, on their iPad or iPhone. I mean, that's the way to go. That's the way to get the kids involved in motorsport. It's the way to get the kids involved in our brands. And that's the way to get the future generations actually racing real cars by getting them in the digital world. A lot of championships have, have built their international appeal on, on games. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, maybe that's something that the, the, the V8 guys should be looking into and maybe we can help them with our you know, links into uh, polyphony, specifically in terms of the Gran Turismo. Um, put that on the to-do list, I reckon. Sean Seymour also spoke to the Below the Bonnet team last week about how they're hoping to use eSports into bringing new manufacturers into supercars. See, the other stuff that we can do now that's really cool is we can test those cars in eSports. So before we even get to building the car, we can run different models through eSports and get people's feedback. Do they think it looks cool? And, yeah, and that yeah, becomes yeah. a really interesting test environment. Yep. And that's a much younger um, audience for yes, us yeah. to tap into as well. Whether you understand the virtual world of motor racing or not, it does seem that supercars are now getting on board, something that Darren Cox highlighted back in 2013. Tony? You know, my idea of eSport is turning on the telly and sitting back and watching some football. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it for another week of Inside Supercars, so thank you from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.